Trump administration and Republicans separated children from their parents at the border, threw kids in cages, and made families sleep under aluminum foil. We saw kids in cages sleeping on the floor. Very easily arguable that it's morally wrong. Kids in cages, not okay. We've got kids in cages on the border. We've got people in, in prisons when they're trying to seek asylum. It's not right. It's beyond politics. It's about right and wrong. Ah, those were the days the Trump administration, 2017, 18, 19. The folks throughout Mexico, Central America, South America, and beyond knew that it doesn't sound like a great idea to try to come to America at this point. Now, the commentators totally got it wrong. It wasn't kids in cages. It was, look, if you get arrested for doing something illegal, you will be separated from your child in America, in other countries, and at the border, at least under Trump when it was sane. Uh, and those cages were purchased by Barack Obama. That messaging, however, was so effective, wasn't it? I mean, why did we not have a problem then and we have a problem now? A lot to do with the policy and the messaging. The new relief center has everything, every service, reception rooms to get advice, a cafeteria that will serve three meals a day with a rotating menu of South American dishes, recreation rooms with televisions, Wi-Fi, phones to call relatives back home, even game tables. There are also laundry rooms, bathrooms and showers, and a dormitory tent. First thing we're going to do is have one of our staff members go outside to greet you. We're going to offer you food, snacks, water. You've come a long way. Your clothes are probably dirty. You probably haven't showered in some time. That's not the right mental state to be in to determine where you want to be for the next several years of your life. Show up to New York City illegally and you're going to get your own personal butler? May I help you, sir? Would you like a snack? Would you like to sit down? Would you like a massage? <laughs> this messaging has brought us to the brink, the brink, especially, well, all over the place. But this folks, to me, is shocking, and I don't know if it's happened anywhere else ever in America. James Madison High School, prominent school in Brooklyn, New York, in the middle of this city, founded 100 years ago, grades 9 through 12. Uh, some of the top, well, top, some very famous graduates, all right? Chuck Schumer, uh, Bernie Sanders, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Judge Judy, and former Senator Norm Coleman all attended this this fairly prestigious high schools as far as public high schools go. But that was a long time ago. Uh, let's see here, about 36 hours ago, a note went out from the principal. It seemed pretty innocuous at first, like a snow day, but it wasn't a snow day. To ensure a smooth transition for families temporarily sheltering overnight in the building, school will be in session remotely for all students. Wait a second, those families <laughs> here illegally illegal migrants. They sent them to the school. They sent the students home. The school was taken over by undocumented people, what we used to call, what we should still call, illegal aliens. Sorry, kids, but it's your parents' fault. Um, this is an unbelievable surrender. I can't get my hands around it. The parents can't get their hands around it. What is happening? The poor parents and the kids, listen to this. It's inexcusable to do this to the students of New York City high schools, especially after all they've been through with COVID. They have to come up with another solution. They cannot do this to the school kids. Remote learning is not happening mm -hmm. because none of the teachers show up to the link provided. But it happened. And there's really, you know, a couple of TV news reports, but 
We're not hearing anything from our national leaders. Joe Biden is the kind of guy who should get on the phone. He never would. I think they want this all. I think Democrats want all of this. They do, including a guy who gets way too much credit sometimes. Eric Adams. Have you ever heard of this guy? The conservative media love to like him, actually. They go out of their way to like him. But he has no ability and no integrity and brought this on himself. This city has always been a sanctuary city, and we've always managed those who wanted to come to uh, New York City to pursue the American dream. Isn't that beautiful? Brought him on himself, brought it on all of us. Uh, and when the migrants started to show up, yep, he rolled out the red carpet. The history of this country has always been tied to welcoming those who are fleeing harm. And that is the spirit of this country. It must be done in an organized way. And I, I believe that we will always be responsible as, as New Yorkers to make sure whoever comes here, we're going to do our job. And that's what we have done. I think that New York has been a role model on how to effectively use our infrastructure to address the crisis and make sure we treat people in a humane way. And that's what we have done. So beautiful, but so stupid. And now he hit the panic button. I am declaring a state of emergency in the city of New York and issuing an executive order. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. Well, actually, you just heard he was encouraging it all along. Uh, and he gets credit, actually, from the conservative media. Wow, look at this, a Democrat standing up to the situation. No, he brought it on. And this thing with the school, he did it. That's his decision to send the migrants to a school. There are all kinds of places they could have gone, not the school. Let's see. We have major facilities throughout New York City. Fort Hamilton, a federal army base right there. Could have been Fort Wadsworth, a Coast Guard facility. Uh, let's see. There's a major psychiatric center uh, on Randall's Island. There's also the Javits Center, which was a hospital for COVID patients during, well, COVID. It didn't happen, though. They sent him to the high school and made the kids stay home and do that Zoom stuff. Could it have something to do with the location of this school in the heart of Brooklyn? And you think Brooklyn, you know, votes, uh, votes Democrat? Not that portion of Brooklyn. It's actually overwhelmingly red. Take a look at who they voted for in 2020. Overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. Could that have had something to do with it? Maybe. Maybe. Look, it also happens that the dream of the Democrat Party these days is for, uh, well, illegal people to be here, take advantage of everything, and one day vote Democrat. Among the new laws, one allowing non-citizens to become police officers in Illinois. The qualifications to become a police officer here in California. Now anyone who can legally work in the state under federal law can become a police officer. Weird, right? And, uh, oh, of course, if you're going to be a cop, you obviously have to vote if you're illegal. It will give some 800,000 non-citizens the right to vote in local elections. Under the new measure, green card holders and those with work permits would be able to vote for things like mayor or city council seats. Every now and then, a Democrat will say, what, the, what do they call it, the quiet part out loud. I love this. This is uh, Congresswoman Yvette Clark. Uh, she represents a big chunk of Brooklyn right by that school. Listen to this. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. 
we have a diaspora that, that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And I, that, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the inn, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district but just for redistricting purposes. Oh, wow, huh? there she is, just saying it right there. They need the people to represent, they need the votes. Brings me, those, that's just Congressman Clark, who's ever heard of her? Hakeem Jeffries, you heard of him, and Chuck Schumer. Both of these guys are from Brooklyn, and they seem perfectly okay with the arrangement. Illegal migrants taking over a high school, displacing American students. And this is particularly bad and really, really fake. He's a fake guy, Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, I pointed out earlier, went to that high school. Chuck Schumer is now in his late 70s, but he started out as the valedictorian at that high school, actually graduated number one, got into politics, and always, always built himself as a champion of the middle class. He was doing it right up to, well, just before Trump showed up. Chuck Schumer, and this is the street where I grew up. My dad was an exterminator, my mom a housewife. I can remember my father pacing the floor, worried about paying the bills. But my parents worked hard so they could build a better life for their kids. Isn't that beautiful? Everybody wants to build a better life for their kids. But the kids at that school, right? Mm -mm. What would his father say about that one? Keep going. Today, the middle class is slipping away for far too many families. I approve this message because rebuilding the middle class is something I feel in my bones. It's why I fight as hard as I can for you. Wow, a champion of the middle class. Then something happened. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez shows up. She's elected to the U.S. Congress and becomes basically more important than Chuck Schumer and a political foe, a political threat. You know, for a while, she was talking about running against Schumer, and Schumer saw the writing on the wall. Go left or go home, back to New York for good. So he went crazy, woke left, putting on the kinte cloth, getting on his knee for this, that, and the other thing, updating his website. Used to be all common sense and, you know, trying to reduce crime. Now, now his priority is ushering in a new era of bold change. Stop the climate crisis and save our democracy and LGBT queer this, that, and everything. So a guy who used to specialize in, well, kind of minor issues to kind of, you know, bread and butter issues and some silly stuff like this. The most important things we can do is collect data. Which bees, which hives are dying off? What are they near and why? Not just meats and vegetables, but now ice cream. You know, this is serious and spreading. We have to stop it. Cyberbots, we call them Grinch bots, are expanding their reach and unfairly scooping up the hottest toys before parents can even click buy. This is the kind of stuff he specialized in. The Grinch bots, the toys, uh, expired ice cream. AOC shows up. Trump shows up. He comes down with a big case of Trump derangement syndrome. And, well, this happened. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. Wow. He'll do anything for power, anything for power, saying anything, be anything. He got into 
politics when he was 23 years old. 23, he's elected to the New York State Assembly. That's, uh, and he's been in elected politics ever since. He goes from an assemblyman in Brooklyn to majority leader of the United States Senate. And look at his, <laughs> look at this. This is, no kidding, this is his hideaway office. They call this a hideaway office. It's like a palace. It's like a palace, right? Um, you, don't, uh, you don't get the big office when you're a Democrat these days working for the middle class, doing things like, you know, maybe his father would have appreciated. He was an exterminator. My mom, a housewife. I can remember my father pacing the floor, worried about paying the bills. Right? That guy. Father, would he uh, feel okay with students being displaced from the high school he went to, that he graduated from, valedictorian? If illegal immigrants came in in 1959 and said, Chuck, go home, people from all over the world are taking over your school, the parents of that school, God bless those parents, huh? Chuck, you should be fighting for them. You lost your soul, you know? It's, it's heartbreaking, actually. I'm sure it is to your parents, your late great parents. They, they would be so ashamed and sad by what you've become. I mean it. I really do. And I'll be right back. Hunter Biden is enjoying himself. You heard about that big stunt going to Capitol Hill today. He's been subpoenaed. And he's trying to convey the illusion that he wants to answer questions. It's a joke. He's enjoying the joke. He's in on the joke. And he's loving every moment of this. But now what is at stake here or what the issue is, uh, the committee chair has asked for a deposition. They want him to be opposed. They've subpoenaed him for a deposition. That's different from a congressional hearing. In a deposition, it's generally behind closed doors. He'll have his lawyer there. But... The lawyers can ask questions kind of like uninterrupted. If James Comer and his attorneys have 10 hours of questions, they can ask 10 hours of questions in a row. At a congressional hearing, you know, one guy makes a few points for four minutes, and then Jamie Raskin comes in and defends them, and then point of order, and it's a mess. It's a mess, and nobody really learns much of anything, even though there are some viral moments. Depositions are, they're tough. They can be very, very tough. It's just you in there with your lawyer, and they have a lot of questions. You know who faces the depositions when they're called? Honest people. Like, well, the Trump children. They've been deposed so much since their father became president and since he left the presidency. They show up, but Hunter? Hunter doesn't. And why not? Because if they ask Hunter direct questions about his father and, you know, They'll blow this lie right out of the water in about six seconds. I did not know he was on the board of that company. I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters. I did my job. I never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. No one has indicated I have. We've always kept everything separate. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Period, period, period. And then he runs away or gets really angry, right? He could never be cross-examined or questioned in a deposition. Neither can Hunter without doing serious, serious damage to himself. They can't explain meeting with those Kazakh guys in the Club Milano and the Porsche car that was basically granted to Hunter the next day or 
the guy Vadim who hired Hunter at Burisma and the email that he sent him while his father was vice president. Thank you for introducing me to your father, spending time with him. What about Hunter lurking around the vice president, Joe Biden, on those overseas trips? Yeah, Joe gets off the front of the plane and lo and behold, Hunter is in the car somehow waiting for his dad. This happened on trip after trip after trip, maybe a dozen and a half trips. Hey, Hunter, tell us more about this uh, wire transfer from, let's see, China all the way to Wilmington, Delaware. What can you tell us about that? Or the the text messages, the WhatsApp messages. You said you were right next to your father. We have geodata that says you were right next to your father. He can't, he can't do any of that. He can't subject himself to that. So this, you know, this theater and this indignation is what uh, is what's working for now. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. He's not ready for a real deposition. Again, congressional hearing, anybody can do one of those, right? You play to the cameras. So he went to a congressional hearing today. He really wants to be in the witness stand uh, at one of these things, but he sat in the front row. It was so bizarre. And I noticed the guys he was with. Can you see Hunter in the middle there? You see the guy in the maroon suit? They're going to ask questions about him. His name is Kevin Morris, and for whatever reason, this guy has been giving all kinds of money to Hunter for years. How many million? $4.9 million this guy just gave to Hunter Biden. Why would he do that? What is he expecting in return? What could that possibly be about? I think that's a... And the person on the other side of Hunter was a guy who's not receiving nearly enough attention. His name is Abby Lowell, the guy in the blue tie there and the thinning hair. So Abby Lowell is a top Washington, D.C. attorney, right? And I went to his website today, and he says things like he will help his clients navigate the process, navigate the congressional process, uh, navigate clients through congressional administrative proceedings. Really, you know, what that means to professionals is he knows how to answer subpoenas. He knows how the process works. Here, along with Hunter, he's blowing up the whole damn thing, making a fool out of himself as he betrays the system he spent most of his life supporting. Hunter Biden was and is a private citizen. But scientists, Republicans, have sought to use him as a surrogate to attack his father. And despite their improper partisan motives. On six different occasions since February of 2023, we have offered to work the House committees to see what and how relevant information or any legitimate input could be provided. All right, I can't really make out what he's saying, can you? The thing was a zoo. Excuse me, a zoo on purpose. Abby Lowell, that's not the way the system works, and he knows it. He worked at the Congress. He was a staff, white, a staff counsel, one of those minority counsel guys. Uh, and look at this. Marjorie Taylor Greene starts speaking, and they freak out. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, apparently, no. you're afraid of my words. Uh, here goes. <laughs> oh. I like For five minutes. All right, because Marjorie Taylor Greene was probably going to go right to the laptop right away. She knew what to ask and how to ask it. Uh, and so did, we got to give her credit here, Hillary Vaughn of uh, Fox. He leaves the room, probably wishes he stayed in the room. Hillary Vaughn walks down the hall with him and asks a few questions. 
Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if he had no involvement in your business? Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Yes. Did he answer the phone? Yes. Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? He had no answer for that one. Couldn't answer it, right? And that's why Abby Lowell is probably furious with this dopey client of his. You see how incriminating it looks when you answer two questions, but you don't answer the big question. Why would you take those calls during a business meeting with crazy oligarchs from all over the world? The vice president is just checking in. All right. So where does this leave us? This. Oh, Hunter. Hunter loves this because kind of means he's a big deal. Hunter has always fancied himself a very powerful and important person. He said so to Devin Archer, actually, telling Devin Archer, Bidens are different and you are a Biden. It's the price of power and the people questioning you truly have none. How about that one, huh? Man, talk about a big head. And this, I feel sorry for Hunter because I think he had a, a bad example in his father. According to Joe Biden himself in his second autobiography, he writes, Joe Biden writes about Hunter, in the middle of one of our hangaround days, I put the question to him, so Hunter, what do you want to be when you grow up? Hunter responds, I want to be important. And the next line in that book is, from Joe, I knew what he meant. I knew what he meant. I can't imagine a father saying that. Might I just don't think that's the right takeaway, do you? It's not about being important. It's not about being a big shot. It's, it's about what contribution can you make? What skill can you develop first? And then maybe or maybe not, you become important based on, you know, learning something and giving back. Hunter just wanted the importance, the power, the spotlight. And now I got I to admit it, he, he has it. He saw him walk down the hall and he wanted it all of his life. He saw it as a little kid hanging around with his dad, the big shot. There they are in the White House. They're in, what, sixth grade? I mean, that's got to go to your head a little bit, I guess, after a while, right? Wow, look at my dad. Everybody's asking him questions. Maybe someday I will be that. It's not just kind of in awe of the wrong guy, a bad example. It's sad. It really is sad. America deserves a lot better. And you know what? So did Hunter. So did Hunter. We'll be right back. It's true. I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show for the news you need to know. Well, it was one of the most prestigious high schools in the country, but right now no one's in that high school of learning age. Uh, or if they are of learning age, they're here illegally. What am I talking about? This James Madison High School in Brooklyn, New York, they told all of the students, stay home because illegal migrants need the facilities. American citizens attending an American school in the heart of the largest city in the country were told to get lost because illegal migrants needed the space. The situation is beyond preposterous. Understandably, parents are outraged, and I think Americans all over the place should be outraged. This could, this could portend, I mean, this could be happening everywhere if things keep going the way they're going. Jane uh, Lipkovich joins us. She has a daughter at the school, Julia, who's 15 years old, a sophomore. 
Uh, Jane, welcome. I'm so sorry about this. Did I get it right? This is actually what happened. It seems so crazy, doesn't it? Absolutely. I would have never imagined that this is what we have to go through uh, today. So a couple of things about that school. You know, Chuck Schumer attended that school. Our mm -hmm. majority leader, New York State senior senator, he grew up in that neighborhood. He, he said he was a champion of the middle class. And he's nowhere to be seen on this issue. I don't know. I mean, like, wh what happens next? I am still beside myself. Uh, how, what are the other parents saying to you? What are you guys saying to each other? What, what, what's going to happen? It's an outrage. I mean, we had a meeting with parents last night, and everyone were fuming. No one's listening to us. No one's answering any of our questions. And we, I, we think we have a pretty good questions um, as parents and as residents of the community of uh, what's going on and how come this happened to um, our school. Why did why does James Madison have to bear the burden of the city's migrant crisis or any school, as a matter of fact? So what we have here, the, 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 the migrants arriving from Floyd Bennett Field. Now, here's why it happened. Uh, the why doesn't mean it's, it's, it's acceptable, but I guess where they were staying was right by the ocean. They had a great big tent city by the ocean. There was the potential of flooding. So they said, well, they have to move to higher ground. So let's move them to the school. There are about, I don't know, maybe a dozen other facilities that they could have moved them through, state, federal facilities, even closer. You have a sense that, what do you think? Is this evil? Is this evil? Like they want to disrupt the lives of children and possibly do something to children? I'm not ruling that out. Or is it just incompetence? Is it a power trip? What do you think? Well, as far as we heard when we kept asking, well, who made that choice? Who was responsible to make that choice? They wouldn't say, they wouldn't answer the question. But then finally, we got a name, and that's our mayor, who made that choice. Why did he choose um, our school? I have no idea. And we questioned saying that if um, Floyd Benefit Field uh, Evacuation Center is was chosen as James Madison High School, why not Brooklyn College? Why not, like you said, any other facility that we know of that is um, able to uh, take in so many people, so many migrants? You know, we looked it up. Um, the high school in the middle of Brooklyn there, you know, New York City is a blue city. Everybody seems to know that. However, the area right around your school seems to favor Republicans, uh, you vote rather conservatively. I'm not asking you how you vote, but if you put a map up, we've actually seen it. It's a very red neighborhood in the middle of a blue city. Wild guess. I think that might have had something to do with it. Maybe we solved this whole issue. No comment. No <laughs> comment. All right. Now, as bad as this is, is it true? It's are you guys are they back in school tomorrow? So it was a one day thing. At four o'clock today, we got an email saying everything was uh, sanitized. They're ready to come back to school. How well was it sanitized? We have no idea. I mean, I am really worried about my child going back to school. She's been sick in and out um, this season for the past a month, a month and a half. And her going into a school fully vaccinated, like all the children has been um, due to the policy of the school, now go into... A after migrants were there, and obviously we know that they weren't checked for any vaccinations. By the way, we're uh, looking at 
school buses, and it looks like, oh, that's beautiful, kids getting off of school buses. No, these are illegal migrants uh, mm -hmm. who have been transported on school buses to the school that they don't attend. And I'm sorry that kids, young, innocent children, are kind of swept up in all of this, and I don't want anybody to be flooded. But, you know, Chuck Schumer graduated from that high school, and he graduated valedictorian, and so did Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So did, uh, let's see here, Senator Bernie Sanders, and they took their academics very, very seriously. I wonder if they ever would, could have, would it ever have happened to them that they would have just called off school on a, a day in January in the middle of the school year, in the middle of the school week. That would not have happened back then, but something has shifted in a very fundamental way here that I still haven't figured out. Well, look, the problem is that the government seems to prioritize migrant families over their own law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. I mean, I feel for a migrant myself, I mean, I really do, for the, and for the families. But this is another example of our elected officials not being in touch with the people that voted them in. So our tax dollars seem to be going uh, to help those that do not contribute to the tax dollars, uh, dollars themselves. We have to be vigilant, incredibly vigilant and active and vocal. Quite frankly, I think that some of the uh, volume that we offered last night about this issue and in other places may have helped keep this to one day. I don't know. They may have had more ambitious plans. But, Jane, I'm glad that Julia's back in school tomorrow. We can't let this and other weird plans they may have in mind uh, come to fruition. We appreciate it so much, Jane. Jane Lipkovich, did I get that right? Yes, you did. Thank you. Okay. All the best to you. And uh, what college does Julia want to go to? Um, she's still deciding. It's only in 10th grade. Right. Why am I pushing college? You should enjoy yourself. Thank you very much, Jane. We'll be right back. Today, based on information developed by that investigation, a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. Wow. Hey, violations of Georgia law. Fannie Willis may be very personally acquainted with violations of the law. She might be in trouble. This, of course, is the woman who had Donald Trump arrested. Um, one of the greatest uh, travesties ever. But now it looks like a total farce, right? Uh, that mugshot, huh? <laughs> And you got to admit, right, it's kind of cool. But Fannie Willis, so self-righteous. And who the heck is she to be self-righteous? Listen to this. I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. Um, the law is completely nonpartisan. That's how decisions are made in every case. I don't believe her. No, I think sometimes decisions are made about uh, who she likes, as in likes, as in boyfriend likes. Yeah. Who are the people she's there at that big press conference that happened late at night? Uh, the guy standing right next to her on her left, my right, our right. His name is Nathan Wade. Uh, not much of a lawyer, I'm told. The two of them are romantically involved. Now, here's the deal. He was like a special hire. He didn't work at that office. It was like a contract job. And they gave him $654,000, I believe, over two years to be part of the investigation. 
And guess what? They uh, went on all kinds of cruises together, and I think he may have been married at the time. But, well, okay, things happen at work, whatever. But this affects all of us. It affects all of us. And um, it looks like they also have been coordinating with the White House, perhaps. What was Fannie Willis doing at the White House February 24th, 2023, for five hours with Kamala Harris? And the, the fellow there was also spending a lot of time at the White House. This is fishy. This speaks of potential coordination with the White House, of which the fake news tells us there is no evidence, no evidence. Just this weekend, they were badgering us. No evidence of any coordination between the White House and any of these prosecutors, of which there are, what, like 50 so far going after Trump? Watch. We should note, of course, there's no evidence that President Biden is in any way coordinating with the Justice Department in terms of the indictments against former President Trump. They think because they say it, it's true. Elise Stefanik pointed out, no, there is plenty of evidence of uh, coordination. In fact, Joe Biden himself uh, reportedly in The New York Times said that he thinks that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted. And anybody who knows Washington, D.C. knows that was a signal to Merrick Garland. Hey, get on it. Arrest this guy. When the fake news is proven wrong, and they almost always are, what happens then? What are they going to do when this evidence is presented to them? Well, this is what they did when Vivek Ramaswamy presented right to their face that they were wrong and they knew they were wrong about the Russia hoax. Remember this? Christian, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. <laughs> uh, just a smile, no accountability, no apology, no explanation. Huh? That's the way they roll. Uh, back to Fanny and uh, Mr. Wade. It all comes out, doesn't it? It all comes out, and uh, we'll see where this goes or doesn't go. Might all just fall apart. The case against Trump and the others who are innocent. And I'll be right back. Oh my goodness! It took him like 45 minutes to quit this campaign. Uh, could have been done in the tweet. Should have been done in the tweet. Anyway, Chris Christie, what a blowhard. What an egomaniac. Uh, however, just before he went on, when he didn't know anybody was looking or listening, he was caught on a hot mic saying some uh, some truth, actually. Listen to this. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent $68 million so far, just on TV. Um, yeah. Spent $68 million so far, $59 million by DeSantis, and we spent twelve. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. The she is Nikki Haley, the media's favorite right now, pushing her, pushing her, pushing her. So is the establishment. Take a look at Iowa, though. (laughs) Look at those numbers. Let's take a look at New Hampshire. It's a little bit tighter there. Uh, but are these, is this real? Let's bring in the experts. We have John McLaughlin, the world-famous pollster, helped get President Trump elected in 2016 and beyond. And Dick Morris, of course, the legendary presidential advisor and author. Dick, first to you. Chris Christie dropping out and the polls and uh, whatever else you want to say. 
Well, I think Christie dropping out obviously helps Haley. And it's part of the anti-Trump people trying to coalesce around Nikki Haley. But there's something really important going on right now in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley is trying to hijack the Republican primary and make it into a Democratic or independent primary. She's going after the voters in New Hampshire where an independent can vote in either primary. And because there's no contest on the Democratic side, she's reaching out to hardcore Democratic Biden supporters and saying, this is your chance to get rid of Trump. This is the best way you could do it. Pretend you're an independent. Go to the voting booth dressed up as an, as an elephant, a Republican, and vote in the Republican primary and vote against Trump. This may be your only chance to get him. And Nikki Haley is leading among independents in New Hampshire by 10 to 15 points. Trump is killing her among Republicans by 40 or 50 points. But right now, uh, almost half of the likely Republican primary vote will be by independents. And Haley is hoping to ride that into a victory. Uh, but uh, true Trump, but true Republicans have to rally. And it sounds like a funny slogan, but keep the Republican primary Republican. Mm, yeah. All right. The independent game up there in New Hampshire. The more I see Nikki Haley, the more I don't like her, uh, John McLaughlin. But that's just me. Uh, what do you make of everything right now, Chris Christie and the rest, uh, John? Well, thanks, Frank, because the fact of the matter, by the way, Chris Christie didn't matter in Iowa. He's only getting 6 percent of the vote, only 4 percent thought he was going to win. They may not even show up in the cold weather. So he was going to get embarrassed in Iowa. So he drops out and he, and he was running in about 12 percent in the real clear politics average. But the Christie voters, as Dick said, they're not they're not traditional Republican primary voters. There's no significant Democrat primary on the other side. By the way, you're showing a poll that was taken at the same time as the Boston Globe that had Trump up 20 points. That other poll is a bad poll. But in the meantime, but going back to the Christie voters, 72 percent are liberals or moderates. Two thirds of them are independents. They're not even re Republicans. And you've got uh, uh, you've, you've got th this. Uh, by the way, 74 percent didn't even vote in the 2020 New Hampshire presidential primary. So they're not coming in to necessarily vote for Haley. They might leave. They were like never Trumper voters, and four to ten of them don't even like Nikki Haley because uh, she said she might pardon Trump. So. Uh, so, you know, Chris Christie, and by the way, Chris Christie's toxic. He's got a 59% disapproval rating or negative rating, unfavorable rating in New Hampshire, and is 91% with the Trump voters, 77% with the Sanders voters, 80% with undecided, 90% with Ramaswamy voters, and Republicans, 66% unfavorable of uh, Chris Christie, and 71% of conservatives don't like the guy. Yeah. So he's toxic for Nikki, for Nikki Haley, too. Wow. Well, the problem, Chris Christie really likes himself. Took him a half hour to say not that much. And Nikki Haley is the same way. It takes her a long time. Like she's talking to us like we're a bunch of school kids, fourth graders. <laughs> um, all right. So um, here we are. When is the primary? When is the caucus? It's next week. It's Monday, Dick. Okay. Predictions. Yeah. Well, I think that Trump is going to undoubtedly win Iowa by a very large margin, all the more so because Nikki Haley has basically conceded Iowa, even though she's spending 11 million on TV. She said New Hampshire's job is to correct the Iowa caucuses, meaning I'm going to lose Iowa and I hope to win New Hampshire. The real question here, the only question en route to the nomination of Donald Trump is, will Nikki Haley be able to persuade enough Democrats who are nominally independent, 
to vote in the Republican primary to take the nomination away from Donald Trump. That is literally the question we're looking at. We're looking at an attempt to hijack the Republican primary. Wait, but they can only do that in certain states that allow that. And I think that's New Hampshire. Yeah, that's, New not Hampshire South Car- that, that's not South Carolina. And that's not most of the Super Tuesday states, right? Right. But they can in New Hampshire. And if Haley were to do well in New Hampshire and maybe even win, everybody would be writing obituaries for Trump. They'll be breaking out the ones they've written five times over in all the impeachments. But uh, the fact Trump needs to smash Haley in New Hampshire, and he's going to as long as the Republican primary stays Republican. All right. Hey, John, before we go very quickly, have you done any polling on the nickname Bird Brain? That's what Donald Trump came up with for her. I don't I'm not saying I like it or dislike it, but do these nicknames work for Trump? No, uh, I, you know, (laughs) no comment. What? Dick, Dick showed Trump a lot longer than I have, but he introduced, he introduced me to him years ago. Um, you know, Trump's ahead in the polls right now, and, and he has his own way of focus grouping these things. So uh, in the meantime, uh, but the reality is Dick made a point here. Nikki uh, Nikki is trying to get Democrats to vote for her. Wait until they find out that she said the retirement age for Social Security is way too low, and she wants to cut COLAs and cut Social Security and Medicare. I never I mean, said I, that, John. I, I never said that. That's uh, Ron DeSantis' line. And then no. the, 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 the evidence is right there. It's for, I, 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 the retirement age was way too low. Yeah, I know she said it, but she denies it. She, uh, one would might say she lies about it, but the career politicians ever lie. Dick Morris, thank you. John McLaughlin, thank you. To be continued, we'll be right back. No blind rhetoric. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. President Trump says this is his favorite show on Newsmax, huh? He told that to the New York Times. Thank you, sir, and we'll see you all tomorrow.